Hey, thanks for having me. This is, this is beautiful. This is awesome. I was just sitting there and um, thinking about a few things, and every time I'm invited to speak, talk, or whatever it is, I'm, I love the worship part because, um, well, Priya and I have been doing worship for a long time, so we love that world. But also when I'm called up to preach, I sit there and I'm worshiping and asking God, God, once again, what is your word for these people? I, I always say this. I said, I don't think we need another sermon. <laughs> You're like, man, so get out, Sam. I don't think we need another three-pointer, a great intro, a great outro. Like, I went to school for that for five years. We all do. I think putting, coming up with a sermon is, is, yeah, we can do it. But I always say this. I said, Lord, one word. We need a word. Uh, just a word. Because I have experienced that time and again in my life. Uh, sermons are great, but when God sends a word... Just one word. And so this morning, that's my prayer, is uh, during the next 20, 30 minutes, I just pray that in the midst of everything, um, that there'll be a word. And I am waiting for a word. I really need a word from God. Um, it's not been easy, and I'll tell you a little bit about our story, but every time I come here, I'm almost with quaking hands and feet. I'm like, why am I even here? Because that's a part of my story is for the first 16 years of my life, I was born with an acute speech impediment, which is acute stammering and stuttering. My older sister and I were born with it. And um, that's what happened is when I was 16, somebody called me up to pray, and I prayed, and I walked back. I asked my both sisters. Uh, first of all, I was walking up, and they were like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to go. He's going to embarrass the crap out of us. Uh, and because I would say, like, three sentences in, like, five minutes, and I had, like, two seasons. I had, like, winter here, summer here two seasons in one body, one time. And I prayed and I walked back and I asked what happened and they were like, no, you were fine. Um, you just prayed and you prayed. You, you want to know the, the humor of that story? So I was like, what, 16? And I got my first job when I was 19 years old with the world's third largest bank with HSBC Bank. And for the next five years, I made a lot of money. Uh, and then I worked for De uh, Deloitte and Amazon. I did all that corporate training. And guess what my job was? Thank you. A little more deeper. Because my job was to teach people how to speak. <laughs> I did corporate communications for some of the biggest firms you can imagine. I mean, God's humor, right? And uh, it's interesting. And then um, my call to America, and my wife and I are missionaries from India to America. I always pause for like five seconds when I preach in churches and they're like, whoa, did that come out right from the guy's mouth? Like, or is it the other way around or whatever? And I'm like, hold it, hold it, landed. And I'm like, what goes around comes around, I guess, because I was 18 years old in my living room in Hyderabad, India, 10,000 miles. I've never stepped out of my country ever. And God shows up and says two things very clearly. He says, Sam, you're going to America, one, and two, you're going to be a part of culture shaping for the last days for the church. So you have the church, and then you have culture, and then you have this thing called the gospel and Jesus. So I, li I love the mess. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the mess. All right, uh, let's pray. Let let's pray. Like I said, um, can we just quieten ourselves? Just I just wanna talk. I'm more like a, I love conversations, so this is not preaching, sermons or whatever, but let's just pray and ask God. God, let's all close our eyes for a minute in this place and say, God, let this be our prayer this morning. God, quieten every other voice. 
Holy Spirit, Lord, you're welcome in this place. Spirit of God, I pray that your voice be the loudest, quiet in every other voice, quiet in my voice. Quiet in pride this morning. Quiet in it. God, I'm just thankful for this community. Thank you for Pastor Henry, God, and his relentless pursuit. God, it's not easy to shepherd God for years and years and years. And somebody said, it's easy to start. But the, but the deal is, will you stay in it? So God, thank you for Pastor Henry and his family and this community. And Father, I am honored this morning. I'm humbled. This somehow excites me, God, this community. Thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for this community. I pray, God, this morning that your word will be the loudest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, like I said, we are missionaries from India. Um, so I was 18, God speaks, America, great. Um, but then I'm not as holy as anybody can think because it's great. I got the call for three months. I'm jumping like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, come on, guys, let's get on a plane to America. And people are like, shut up. In India, they're like, God's called you. He ain't called me. So <laughs> what are you so excited about? So I was like, why don't you guys get it? Da, da, da. And then I meet uh, an American missionary, and then I share in India, in, in Hyderabad, I share my calling. It was all great. I thought I was on a plane the next six months. I'm like going, I'm like, God, it didn't happen. And then I got a job, started my corporate career. And then I was, met my wife in church, on the worship team. You know how that goes? You guys know how that goes, right? Yeah. So met her on the worship team. We got married. Um, and both of us had corporate uh, careers, um, very successful. Life was great. Um, I was very early on, um, bought homes, cars, big 6,000-member church where we were leaders there doing worship. I was doing youth. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And guess what? Totally forgot about my call. Totally. In fact, uh, when the, the season when we were about to come here, we were already about to, we were thinking of buying our second home in Hyderabad. My wife got a job at that point where she was getting shares in her company. She was head of human resources. I picked up a contract with Deloitte, which was like, people are like, did you hear Sam's job? He works like two hours a day for three, for three days a week, and that's about it. Because that was my job. I would like wear fancy clothes and just go train people for two hours and get paid boatloads of money. So why would I leave? This is perfect. And I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. And then, sure enough, the narcissist in me will tell you that uh, the economy fell because of me in like 2008 because everything crashed and uh, Deloitte just pulled my contract off and I lost my job and then for the next year I never got a job and then uh, Priya was working and then I was like the church is wondering my friends are wondering why isn't Sam getting a job he's pretty okay at what he does he ain't getting a job and nothing opens right nothing some of the biggest companies take me like this is your department you're going to be heading learning and development blah 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 and I don't get the call on Monday and I was, one day I was so, and in India, I mean, I guess it's everywhere, my wife argues, but it's like, come on, you're the man and you're eating off of your wife's food. You're like, get a job, right? And I was like so mad. I was like, this is not happening. So I go back. I was so frustrated. I kid you not. I, I, I went on my computer and I logged on and I applied to Fuller Seminary. Right here. I'm not thinking straight. Los Angeles, West Coast, I, I don't have any reference point. I don't have nothing. Like, I don't know a human being on this side, at least here. Like, I'm thinking Fuller had one program, worship, theology, and the arts. 
I love worship, um, love theology, and I'm an artist myself, love all that stuff, so great combination, go on to the job, I just applied. The first 50 bucks don't even go through, like I'm applying from India, like that doesn't even happen. Sure enough, that one door opens. And then God's like, hey dude, do you remember we had a conversation a long time ago? I'm like, wow, this is getting real now. And then Fuller happened, long story, applied, did all that visa stuff, that's a whole other miracle. We got it, and then sure enough, the jobs start flooding in. Sure enough, right? And then the two months before we leave, and then my pastor looks at me, and by the way, my pastor was like, he was, I mean, he's my greatest mentors, and you, some of you met him. Some of you were in our home church. I think these two here were in our home church back in Hyderabad. So, uh, Pastor Walson, right? So he was, the, he was the man behind my life. I was, I was, I think 18 when I walked into church, he looked at me and said, the hand of God is on you. And I never, and I never knew what that meant. But uh, he was not very happy that we were leaving. He was like, because we lost our senior pastor. He died that he, the year before. And he wanted us to stay for a little longer. But I said, Pastor, I got to leave. I mean, we got to drop everything. So we sold everything. Sold everything, home scars, everything. We had six bags. And we landed in LAX and we had money for a month. And I looked at my wife at that point my hero of the story, and I'm like, you ready to do this? She's like, you brought me here, so. She's like, do I have a choice? Sheesh, too late, the ship has sailed. Uh, because her, her, her Hindu boss, by the way, in India, when she was quitting, he was the CEO, and he looked at her and said, Priya, are you out of your mind? Like, she was about to become the head, and she was on her way to, like, he was like, why are you doing this? 30 minutes into the conversation, he looks at her and he says, Priya, I don't understand what this, this is, but you should go with your husband. He said, you should go with your husband. He's a great guy. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Amazing how God works, right? Thank you. Bhatia Saab is what I call him. Uh, and then we moved and then came to Fuller, straight Fuller Seminary. And then the first week, I'm, I'm at Fuller, and then I give them my, my guitars, my keyboards in India, because I, and then we come six man. I go to Sunset, somebody sent me a gift, I think a hundred bucks something to buy a guitar. So I'm on Sunset Boulevard, have to go to that guitar center. It's like super prestigious, right? I'm, I have hundred bucks, but I'm gonna go to that guitar center. I'm like, I bought a guitar here. So I'm like walking in, pick up the guitar, I walk out, and I look behind me is the Hollywood sign, staring in my face. And then God is like, Sam, you got the first part of your calling when you were 18, but you remember the second part. First is you'd go to America, but I told you that you would be a part of culture shaping. And I stared at the Hollywood sign and I thought, you don't mess around. God, I had a moment there and I thought, this soil, Los Angeles, Hollywood, is exporting culture to five billion people or more on planet Earth. I have my kids in India when we went back uh, about three years ago, like my youth kids in church, they're like, Sam, did you go to that street? Did you go to that tattoo shop? Did you go to that place? I'm like, do I live there or do you, or do you guys live there? And they're like, come on, Sam, it's Hollywood. I had my friend I was talking to and he went to Sudan on a mission trip and the Sudanese kids are wearing t-shirts and rapping Jay-Z. Like that's their theology. This morning, this is the word that God has for me and for this community and for us living in Los Angeles. And whenever I share this, churches, it's, it's interesting because 
That's why I, I guess God sends missionaries. Uh, both because um, my church in India was founded by two missionaries from Springfield, Missouri, who came like 35, for all, out of all the places, right? Springfield, Missouri, a white couple, beautiful, like land, 30 years before, and they planned our church, and now it's a movement. And what goes down comes around, and I'm here, and we're here in Los Angeles, and I'm asking the question, God, what does it look like? What does the gospel look like? in a city like Los Angeles. And I say this all the time uh, to people. I said, if you're in any of the five cities on the globe today, Los Angeles, New York City, London, Paris, and Tokyo, if you're, any, if you're in any of these five cities and God has placed you, you and I have a head start towards what that glorious church looks like in the book of Revelation. Are you with me? Every nation, every tribe, look at this place. This looks like the United Nations. <laughs> Like literally, like this, this, it's right here. Like, like, this is it. If you're in any of these five cities, you have a head start. Right? You have the head start. Question, so what are we doing? What are we doing? Let me read our passage for this morning. If it's up there, or I can just read it. Perfect. Mark 4. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Say it with me. Let us go over to the other side. Say it. Let us go over to the other side. Now, say it like you believe it. Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Oh, by the way, I love this passage because my Lord loves naps. I'm all about naps. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Can you go back to the first slide, the, the first part of scripture, please? I preached last Sunday at, at, an, at, an, at another church um, in Glendale. And um, this, that phrase, let us go over to the other side was not leaving me. It, it, it just wouldn't leave me. In fact, when I, when I was praying for both GPC and this church, saying, Lord, God's, God, what's your word? That phrase, let's go over to the other side, was not just leaving. I said, Lord, what is it? What is happening here? So let me just paint a quick picture here, right? About like, about what's that? First of all, this story is told in all three gospels, like in all three synoptics. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke's tell us this story, each give us different accounts. And this, this miracle happens on a, on a day when Jesus apparently gives us the whole parables on, in Matthew 13. It says it's on the same day. So basically, Jesus had a very long sermon day, right? And he's what? He's tired. Jesus is tired. Follow me on this. This is critical. Jesus is tired. Say tired. Jesus is tired, right? And then he comes to his disciples and says, let's just go over to the 
other side. Listen to this. Herbert Locker says this. He says, the tempest-driven boat is the church. Can I have the next the slide up uh, after the scriptures, please? There's one. There you go. When you read these scriptures, you see three things happening. You see an invitation from Jesus. What's the invitation? You hear a turmoil. There's a storm, right? And there's a miracle. But all those things are happening in the in the boat, right? The boat. The boat, there's an invitation, there's a storm, and there's a miracle. It's all happening in the boat. Now listen to Herbert Lager. He says, the tempest-driven boat in this passage is the church of Christ, and it sails across the ocean of the world's history to the other side. You with me? I've studied this passage over reading theologians and commentators, most of them agree that metaphorically, this boat could be understood as the church. You with me? Now, we're in a boat. All right, follow me. We're in a boat. There's an invitation. But hear me close. The head of the church is who? Say it like you believe it. <laughs> Who's the head of the church? Christ, Jesus, God, like Jesus is the head of the church. church. Now, if the boat is the church, where's the head of the church? In the boat. Ta-da. It's not a trick question. Jesus is in the boat. He's the head of the church. The body is also in the boat. The body is you and us, is his disciples, right? Who is tired? Interesting. My question this morning for Agape, my question for GPC last week, my question for the beautiful gate, the church that, that my wife and I planted right now in Hollywood, a movement in the heart of Hollywood, where we're trying to reach the most unchurched. Last year alone, we had about 400 people walk in and out of our space who have nothing to do with church. You come to beautiful gate on a Sunday night tonight, You'll find almost, I don't know how many people are there. I ha I've had people at the beautiful gate who stood up and said, you're full of crap. When I opened the scripture, I'm like, Shh, absolutely. Let's talk. <laughs> that's, that's our life every Sunday night. Remember, America, but shaping culture, right? The question, though, for Agape, for GPC, for beautiful gate is, the head of the church is tired. My question is, I could have thrown statistic after statistic on that screen, but I did not want to bore you, is... What is the state of the church today? What is the state of the church today? When I was preparing this word, I think last week, I was at the Coffee Bean in Los Feliz. That's where we actually planned this movement. It's in Los Feliz. It's where the Hollywood sign is. That's that pretty village um, where the observatory, Griffith Park, so that's where we live too because we're called as missionaries to that neighborhood and we're planting this movement there, praying the garden. And there's a coffee bean, which, which is actually my office. Beautiful office, by the way. Um, missionaries do that. Like, we love to go out, right? We love to be in the culture. If you're going to shape culture, you cannot stay outside and shape it. You got to 
moving. So I love the coffee bean. I'm sitting there, I'm working. I'm preparing this message. I kid you not, I was like taking and typing my, my lines about the challenging uh, times of the church and I was trying to find statistics. I was trying to find Will Mancini's and all this stuff, all the stats. Next to me were like four high school girls. 16, 17 maybe, right next to me, right? Yada, 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 yada. They're like, yeah, talking and talk. They're like right in my face. I'm like, oh my gosh. Either I want to like kill them or I want to become like them. Like they're just, they're just so full of life. They're alive. They're talking about, I don't know what they're talking about. Jeans, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'll do anything to become like them or I just don't want them right, right now. Like they're reminding me of my, anyway. They're talking, talking. I'm trying to avoid them. This is no joke, right? I'm, I'm typing about church, and one girl who was talking suddenly says, hey, so, hey, so last week I was in church, and, and uh, uh, no joke. I'm not even joking. The three of them like, wait, you went to church? No joke. Wait, you went to church? And this girl, she steps here. This might be funny, but this is what broke my heart. She stepped back, she recoiled and said, ah, 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 no, 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 no. I was on the stairs of the church and actually it was a wedding. Agape, I want to ask you a question. These were 15, 16, 17 year olds. And when she just mentioned the word church, Three of her friends, they might as well could have punched her in the face. But they just, they just did not do it because that, that's not very civic, is it not? And, they re and then she was so embarrassed that she recoiled, rephrased it, got herself out of that mess. I want to ask you a question. And I want to lay this with you guys this morning. If Jesus was the most, and this is, by the way, this is his, what historians will tell you, sociologists will tell you, anthropologists will tell you that Jesus, historically, listen to me close, was the most inclusive human to ever walk on planet Earth. You hear me? He was the most inclusive human being to ever walk on planet Why do you think they would take a man and nail him to a tree and kill him in the most... crooked, painful, torturous way ever imagined by man. Why? Because he came at a moment in history where we were so divided, but this man walks and he says to the Samaritan woman, can you give me a drink? If that is the head of the church, the most inclusive human to walk on planet Earth, why did this high school girl recoil herself? Why? Why? My hunch is this this morning. The head of the church is tired. The church is tired, maybe. And then he steps into the boat and, he's, and he tells you and me, how about we go to the other side? How about we go to the other side? 
And then we have the turmoil, don't we? You have the invitation and Jesus says, come with me. Let's go to the other side. The most inclusive person to walk on planet Earth, his body has become the most exclusive. If we are not a sent people, then we don't worship a sent God. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. We worship a God who gave and sent, which makes us a sent people. Question is for everybody under this roof this morning. Where are we going? You know, every time I go to churches, conferences, there's one question I ask, and I, it's challenging. Um, this anointed man of God prayed that. He said, let it be challenging. So I'm just going to throw a challenge, and God is going to challenge us. I challenge all of us. I challenge him, like, make a list of five people, five of your best friends, best friends that you hang out with, you do life with, best friends. Make a list. Look at the names. Tell me how many of them do not know Jesus. If you really believe the gospel, if you really believe that the gospel is the hope of the world, if you really believe that Jesus is the truth, which is, by the way, the greatest quest of all humanity is what? Seeking truth. And the only human who ever walked on planet Earth said what? I am the way and I am. Did he say I am the way and this is the truth which will lead you to life? No. He said I am the truth. And what does the truth do to you and I, church? It sets us what? If you really believe that, my question is you make a list of five people, how many of them do not know Jesus? How many of them don't know his love. I'm a missionary. I love my people in Hollywood. Like that's, those are the people I'm called to. And so the place that we, we, that we were meeting last year, it was a yoga studio and an open courtyard. Perfect. It was like perfect space for us. We had so many people just walking. We were reaching out. And in the space where we were meeting, the guy renting it to us, he was an acting coach. One of the best acting coaches in town, Kirk Baltz. And so I didn't even know he was an acting coach. And he and I started a religion, and he has nothing to do with Jesus. He, he and his wife, in fact, do a lot of Eastern. Oh, by the way, one of the jokes in my context, we plant in Los Feliz. Los Feliz has 17, 16 to 17 spiritual centers on two streets in Hollywood. You with me? 80% of them, guess what? From where they are is from my part of the world. Eastern mystique. Eastern thought and philosophies and so I'm there walking and I don't use pastor I don't use I'm a, I'm a missionary so so missional language is very important so I tell people who are you and I'm like I'm a spiritual director and they're like oh dude what's the cool thing you brought from India like what's the next cool thing that we can actually think and I'm like Jesus it's the most anticlimactic moment in my ministry <laughs> they're like Jesus that guy belongs to us like we kind of like loaned him to you like and I'm like he looks more like me than you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and they're like, ah, fair enough. Seriously, it's one of the most anticlimactic moments. I'm like, he looks more than me. He looks more like me, dude. Come on. 
And he, somehow the whole thing, the whole paradigm shift, right? And like Los Feliz is just filled with this stuff. And this guy who's renting the space from us, he, he's also like, you know, all about, you know, Eastern mystique. And he actually, um, he talks, and he, 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 he's an acting coach. I said, Kirk, I'll take your acting classes. He's like, I've never done a scene in my life. I didn't, I didn't even do the Christmas play all my life because I was doing worship all my life. I don't even know the first thing. And I'm like, I'll take your class because these are the people that God's called me to. So I start taking his classes. I do two sessions. The first day he pairs me up with this guy. I, first of all, I look at the room. They're like 14 actors. I go back and look at their IMBD profiles. They're all like, they're actors. I'm not an actor. And I, I said, Kirk, I'm not going to do it. And he said, no, Sammy, you got to stick because what you do in life with people, I think you've got to stick in this class. I'm like, okay. And then he pairs me up, sure enough, with this guy named Sean Flynn, who happens to be the grandson of Errol Flynn. I don't know if you guys know Errol Flynn, this old actor who actually did all the, uh, what's that, uh, Robin Hood movies or whatever. And he's his grandson, and this guy's been acting since his womb, right? And he's like, I'm like, sure, great. So then we both, he pairs me up for the next two weeks, uh, no, six weeks, I have to, we have to work a scene together. And I go up to his home in Hollywood Hills, doing this scene, sure enough, I'm not, I mean, of course we're doing the scene, but more than that, I'm just sharing my story, I'm sharing my life. Talk about going to the other side. First of all, for me, going to acting class, anyway, it's a nightmare I don't want to talk about. <laughs> One, number two, I'm with Sean, and, I'm, and I have this discipling relationship now with him. To cut a long story short, you know, after sharing the gospel with him, after sharing this story with him, you know, Sean in his house, he walked up, he's 24 years old, one of the most good-looking guys for all you know in the next 10 years he might be the next Tom Cruise he, he's he's better looking than Tom Cruise he comes straight to me he has tears in his eyes church listen to this he looks at me and says Sam you're the first person in my life who has ever come up to me and spoken to me about this thing called Jesus or this thing called faith you're the first person if you take nothing from me this morning, just sit on that truth for like a minute. I thought, wait, am I in a village in East Africa? Or am I in a, in a slum in North India? Or am I in Los Angeles? Where for 24 years of this guy's life, nobody, nobody walked up to him and told him, Sean, you are loved for who you are. Sean, you're accepted for who you are because the one whose breath is in you, the one whose ruach is in you, loves you for who you are. Nobody told him that. Nobody. You know, holy anger. We love to have holy anger. That, this is my holy anger moment. Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. To the other side. I'll tell you another thing. I'll tell you another thing. Why churches are tired today? Pastors are tired. I had like two young guys who were in Canada ministering end up in my living room like a year ago and they were tired. They're like, Sam, we're tired. Our church. And I asked them one question, one question. I said, when was the last time in your church, in whatever you're doing, when was the last time that you saw the gospel touch a person? and change him, from, change him or her from the inside out. And you had that person come up and share the beauty of the gospel. When was the last time? And how often do you have it? They both 
turned and looked at each other. They couldn't trace a moment back. Sure enough, they're tired. Sure enough, their pastor is tired. Because Jesus came to lead us to the other side. Jesus came. He did not even come to us. Imagine this for a moment. He became us and took us to the other side so we can become more like him. And then you have this turmoil. You have the storm. The storm rages. And then Jesus is sleeping and is taking a nap. Why? Because what Jesus wants you and I to understand is he just didn't come to be the superhero of the story. What does the word tell us? We will do greater things than him. Greater. You know how many miracles when you trace back in the gospels? Oh, this is a whole other sermon, sermon after sermon. But so many miracles where Jesus was waiting. 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 In fact, the 5,000, right? He says, what does he say? They're hungry. What does he say? Do you remember? He says, you feed them. You feed them. Have you ever thought about that? He says, you feed them. The storm. I'll chill. I'll nap. The turmoil. Priya and I have a lot of turmoil ever since we moved to Los Feliz. Pastors have looked at me and said, what is wrong with you, Sam, that you would plant in Los Feliz? One of the most post-Christian soils on planet Earth, very close to Europe, is Los Feliz in Silver Lake, that whole area. One of the most post-Christian cultures where for the past 60, 70 years, nobody's planted a church, a fresh expression. All the churches there are 100 years old and they're renting out their parking lots. And pastors have looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? Why would you plant in Los Feliz? First of all, you're crazy. You would yank your wife out 10,000 miles. I think you're called America. Great. And now you yank her to the most trickiest neighborhood and say you want to plant a church and a Jesus movement. Don't we have storms? We have storms every day. Every day. But you ask the BG camp is what we call it. BG life. Beautiful gate is hashtag BG life. You talk to the team. Talk to the core team. Talk to the movement. One, we're blessed. I'm blessed that not just two missionaries, the team are all a group of missionaries. They're a team of missionaries. We're on mission. We're on mission because this is what I tell them all the time. If we have not scattered, listen to me, Agape. If you have not scattered, we don't have the right to be gathered. If we have not scattered ourselves, we do not have the right to be gathered. Why? Because God sent his son. Question is where are we going and scattering ourselves before we gather in community? Because see the miracle, coming to the miracle and I think, please somebody show me the time. I have two more minutes. Awesome. <laughs> Great. I don't know if I've done half of it too, but the miracle, I'll spend a little time on the miracle, when Jesus stood up and he said, the waves be still. What amazes me about that story? This is what amazes me. Did you, did, did you notice the, the response of the disciples? It's, it's, it blows my mind. So they're about to die. 
They think they're about to die. They run to the master. Master, don't you care? Say, first of all, you guys will never get it. Okay, I'll go and I'll calm the storm. Were they like, ah, oh, it's cool. I mean, he's God. He's the son of God. No. They're again standing and they're like, are, are you with me? They're standing and they're like, oh my gosh. And then Jesus' response is, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Question for us this morning. How many times, how much more do we have to see his hand before we can actually behold his glory? How much? Will he still be waiting on you and I? Still be waiting on you and I? When we're living in our homes, our neighbors have been living with us for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. We're still wondering about his hand. Oh my gosh, when he's like, what about my glory? What about my glory? The miracle is amazing, but it's your miracle. And why are you still amazed and amazed and amazed? When will you go out and do it? And every time he talks about healing, Jesus never said, oh, pray for them that, and I will heal them. No, what did he say? Heal the sick. Simple. Heal the sick. Release people from prison. Cast out demons. Do it. Do it. Do it. And the disciples stand afar and they're like, oh my gosh. Maybe... Maybe sometimes I am in that place too of the disciples. I'm standing and I'm still marveling at his hand when God is like, behold my glory. Behold my glory. Behold my glory. And my, my hunch this morning, and I'll close with this, is truth, truth. Is, and you're, you're all in Pasadena. We're living in Los Angeles. We're living in the city where truth, everybody's after truth. They love the truth. It's a new religion, by the way, love and truth. What about you? Oh, I'm after love, bro. Love, love is my religion. I'm seeking after truth. Like I meet all these spiritualists in Hollywood. They're like, oh, I'm, a, I'm very spiritual. I love the truth. I love the truth. But I'll close with this. If people outside... By the way, 40 million odd people in America, in churches, whatever. You have 250 odd million people have nothing to do with Jesus and church, by the way. Nothing. Nothing. But if their quest is for truth, my question is, if their quest is for truth, and if we understand that the head of the church said, I am the way and I am the truth, what is missing? I'll tell you what's missing. Maybe we have understood truth more as a proposition and more as a personification than a person. Truth now has become our way of doing things, our way of understanding. And when Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the truth. When you lead people to Jesus, the church will be his glorious bride. You don't lead people to a to an institution or a gathering, you lead people to the truth. And from the truth becomes, comes the ecclesia, comes the gathering. Because that 16-year-old girl, why did she recoil herself? She'd have nothing to do with the church. 
And every Sunday, by the way, we do talk shows every Sunday night. I actually interview people for 10 minutes every Sunday night, producers, actors, uh, upcoming guys. Tonight I'm interviewing somebody else. He's a hip-hop artist. Common story. You want to hear it? I got nothing to do with the church. I don't want the church. Jesus is cool. Till today in Hollywood, I haven't found one person who came and told me, I, Jesus sucks. No joke. They all love Jesus. Church, not so much. Church, not so much. Why? Because that's what I said about truth has become more a proposition or a personification than a person. You lead people to Jesus and we go to Jesus. We touch the hem of his garment. And guess what? He builds the church. What did he tell Peter? He said, on this rock, I will build my church. Your job, my job, is in the Great Commission. What's the first word of the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. Go to the other side. We flipped the job descriptions. We are very keen to build our churches. When Jesus is like, that's not even your job. Your job and my job is to make disciples. The church, I will build it. I will build the church. And then when I build the church, the gates of hell will not prevail. When I build the church, not when you build the church. 1,500 years, churches are renting out their parking lots. Church, listen to this, because we've flipped the job description. We have flipped the job description. Everybody here, if you're following Jesus, he is beautiful. He is amazing. He is awesome. He is so intriguing. He's so beautiful. He's so kind, but yet he stands as the truth. The only truth that, that will set this culture free. Let's lead people to Jesus. Let's close our eyes from this place. I just want us to take a two-minute breather. I sense them it might, I don't know if it was a lot, if it was little, or what you've heard. I just trust, I want to trust the Holy Spirit right now for the next two minutes, two to three minutes, to let this word, let this word just fall. I love that word that was prayed on moist soil. Church, I want us to forget everything. Please talk to Jesus this morning. Let the Holy Spirit awaken us this morning. Let's take a, let's take a minute. God, I want to thank you for this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for sending your everything to us. And not only you coming to us, you became us. 
so we can become more like you. Father, thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for Agape and this community. I want to thank you, God, for the leaders. I want to thank you for the shepherd, Pastor Henry. Thank you for the leaders. Thank you for the elders. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for everybody. Thank you for the usher out there. I think it was Michelle, if I'm not wrong. I just want to thank you for the whole team here, God. I want to thank you for this place. Heavenly Father, I just sense God. Thank you, God, that this is a faithful community, a body that's been faithful to you. And God, as this community, God, is going and is getting ready to go out in a new way to the other side, even to this morning as they walk out of the sanctuary. Heavenly Father, we don't want to herd sheep around from churches and call our churches successful. What we want our churches to be filled is with the people who are outside of the kingdom walking into the kingdom. And God and this place filling out with people who have nothing to do with you but who are now touching the hem of your garment. God, I just release that anointing into this place, God, into this church and the leadership and this whole community here, God. I want to right now commit their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers, their, their family members, or whoever you've placed in and around their lives, God, that this movement, this community will be ready to go in a way that they've never gone before, God. Because this community believes in the gospel. And I just pray that over this community this morning, Father, that they will remember that when you were tired, when your church is tired, you looked at us and said, let's go over to the other side. And then we see your hand, we see the miracle. Thank you for this morning, God. In Christ's name, amen.